Hello. All right, I'm on. Am I okay? I'm okay out here, Bob. Okay, not getting too close. I feel far away from you. I always want to come like, it's okay. <laughs> come on out. <laughs> oh. Hey, I just wanted to, as we said um, in the publicity and such in this morning, to just bring everybody an update with regard to the Stratop process. And our, our team, the, the team of 13 people, uh, continues to meet. And we met not yesterday, but a week ago, Saturday. And the whole team sitting around the table in the lobby said, you know, this, this has been a long thing. And uh, the team is pressing into it, and we're just very mindful that as, as members of a church, you might be thinking, where's this thing going? Where, 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 where are we? What? So this is just the, the quick update, and we can do some questions and, and stuff at the, at the back end if you like. But uh, wh- where we've been, what has happened, and where we're going. Those are the three big things. So just quickly where we've been. I actually looked back in the... Uh, ad board agendas that I, I have electronically. And we actually started talking about this halfway through 2017. I think it was at our July or August meeting. We began kicking around the idea of, hey, we need, we would benefit from some kind of strategic planning process that hopefully uh, uh, in, invited the congregation in so that we could participate together. So we started back then. Um, it was a decision to engage Tom Clegg uh, to, to facilitate the Stratop process for us that was made at the September meeting 2017. And then we built a team of 13 people, uh, as you know, over the next couple months, and that team began their work. Uh, it started with a big congregational survey asking, uh, basically, we, we kind of asked them in different language, but basically four questions. What's right? What's wrong? What's missing? and what's confused. And that the hope was to get input from the whole body. And you know how surveys go, you never get everybody to, to do. But we got some pretty good input from that and took that to our first retreat with this team, which happened on March uh, 15 through 17. It was a three-day retreat. And a team of 13 people facilitated by time did a lot of hard work. It was an emotionally kind of grueling uh, three days. It was, it was challenging. But we came out of there with some initial task forces in place so that we could kind of pick the low-hanging fruit, so to speak, to see some immediate change. So there was work on discipleship and prayer and communication that began happening in these initial task forces. We came back to leadership community, did, did one update, and then I think came back the very next month and did another update on what we had experienced over those, those three days. Uh, there was a second retreat that happened in mid-August, August 17 and 18. This group of 13 got together again for a facilitated time. And out of that gathering, we were able to establish formal teams where we had, at the, after the first meeting, just initial task forces. And those formal teams were prayer, care and belonging, communication, discipleship, and organization. All, all looking at some key areas in the church that we thought if we invested uh, energy there, that would drive future ministry. And that, that really has been the spirit of, the, of this whole process. We're trying to... Um, more intentionally manage out things that might hinder or slow us down as a church and manage in things that will drive ministry forward. So 
those five teams started their work. I think we came back to leadership community, did a big report. That was the one Jan Fields did, and we had all sorts of information up on the screen. And Jan and I processed afterwards, and we wondered if that was too much, if it was a bit like <laughs> you're seeing all this stuff, thinking, what? Okay, what? I can't even read it. <laughs> it's so small on the screen. So it was a bit like drinking from a fire hydrant, so sorry about that. Um, but, but we went back finally for a one-day retreat, the final retreat, at the end of September, September 29th. And the five teams had been, begun their work already, and we started reporting out on, on those teams' work. And the, the, uh, the whole idea of this process is it's not just a strategic planning process that you're left to figure out how to make a reality by yourselves later on. Why we were drawn to this process is that it, it includes this plan of how to, how to make your plan a reality, how to operationalize it. So at the last of those retreats, the teams reported out on their work. And since then, the StratOp team has met about every eight weeks. We've just met twice now, once in November and then once, like I said, just a week ago Saturday, to do the same thing, to report out as teams kind of the progress that's being made. So that's where we've been. And I, I want to do a little, uh, do you know that this is that exercise? This is, this is really helpful sometimes for uh, connecting kind of concepts that we discuss in, a, in an organization or community with concrete reality and, and what's changing. So I think it would be easy for us as a church to think, well, that we've got this strategic planning thing going on, but has anything really changed? Is, is anything happening from this? And the answer to that is, is yes. So I want to challenge you to think about this, and we're just going to go through these categories, right? We'll start with prayer. Um, what have you seen in our congregation with regard to prayer in the last you know, six months, I would say. We've really been engaged in this thing for 18 months, but the more tangible fruit has probably happened in about the last six months. Have you seen anything different? Yeah. Yeah, what, what do you have? Uh, actually, prayer circles Yeah, yeah, so Don, Don mentioned prayer circles at the end of the service. So incorporating some prayer ministry time into Sunday morning worship services, definitely something that has changed, right? Anything else? What do you think? Amy? It's great prayer covering our vacation Bible school this summer. Yes, great prayer covering our vacation Bible school this summer. Very, very intentional. That actually emerged uh, before we had the formal teams. We had just had those initial task forces. But the, the value of how do we how do we make prayer a primary thing? How do we develop more of a prayer culture? Definitely influence Vacation Bible School. Other things, what have you seen? Uh, Russ? Wednesday night class that's yeah. prayer and our Tuesday morning small men's group is also prayer. Okay, yeah, a Wednesday night class uh, happening. Yeah, thanks, Bob. Wednesday night class happening uh, on, on prayer uh, that's being led by Tom Griggs and Kurt Tile. And there's a Tuesday morning group uh, that is focusing on a book of, of prayer that Russ is a part of, led by Raymond Peshir, I think. Kind of probably jointly led, really. Yeah, thanks, brother. Um, any other prayer things? Yeah, Kathy, wait for the mic, would you? And we, can, we can get your voice rather than me repeating it. <laughs> the Bible study, the, the Circle Bible Study groups, morning and evening, are doing a, also a book on prayer, okay. praying through the Psalms. Great, I actually didn't know that, but the, the women's circles, morning and evening, are working on a book of prayer through the Psalms. It's great. Heather, Adrian. Every week we are praying for the teaching pastor, and we're also every uh, first of the month, first Sunday of the month, we're going through and uh, praying over the Sunday schools. 
class. Yeah, yeah, thank you. So that's something that many people probably don't see. It's, it's made a huge difference to me, to us personally, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, prayer over the teaching pastor for the morning at 930, uh, to which you're all welcome, by the way, if you'd like. It's just back in the office. And then praying over Sunday school rooms. Mostly a pastoral elder thing and prayer team thing at this point. But really, anybody who would want to hop in could, could do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, so Andy, yeah. I've noticed every meeting I go to, we start with prayer. Intentional, not just a quick prayer, but actually prayer time. Yep, yep, which was something that emerged right out of this team's work. One of the first things we could do is get all of our standing teams that meet regularly to really invest in prayer, not just the cursory, hey, Lord, would you please bless our thing, but really seeking the Lord at the beginning. So you all did better than I thought because you hit all my bullet points. Maybe there are more. <laughs> Maybe there are more. Anybody else have a, another prayer thing? So uh, this is that. Right? All of the things we just listed, meaning this, is that. The, the fruit that is actually emerging out of the strat-out process to try to do things differently so as to build a prayer culture, right? So you, fruit, f- fruit is here. Things are happening. Things are changing. Uh, so how about the care and belonging team? What, what have you seen last six months in the realm of care and belonging? Anything top of mind for you? It's okay. Nobody has to feel bad. This feels a little, little like a quiz, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, Kristen. Bingo. So, yeah, say it again. Night and basketball game. There was a game night that was hosted by that team uh, several months ago, and there's a basketball game coming up that has been planned by that team. Just social gatherings, way to get people from the church together if they would like to do that. Anything else? Kathy? I think we really show our care and belonging by our outreach to to our families that are here as refugees because it takes a lot of volunteers to equip their household and to take them here and there and... And that's a, I mean, hopefully they're starting to feel like they belong. Making a lot of efforts in that regard, right? Yeah, that's the, which is fantastic. And Dave is hugely involved in that, as is our own Saeed. And uh, that's been an ongoing thing. That's great. Other care and belonging things. Amy. Our pastoral elders are, we have a congregational care task force, yes. which we've been working hard on. And... Um, so we've been doing a lot of background things, but in an effort to include every member of the congregation and connect them with a go-to pastoral elder, and more will be coming on that, but, but we've been working on it. Yeah. Intentionality to connect with every household. There's yeah. a nice card service. Yes. People are sending cards. Yes, and, uh, 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 which, which is a real strength of this congregation, even in an informal, unorganized way. But yeah, there's intentionality behind that as well. The other stuff, let me just riff a couple more. Uh, Renewed emphasis on dine with nine. You probably have seen that emerging. That was a very intentional thing coming out of the care and belonging team. Uh, Renewed emphasis on community groups. Have a couple new groups in place. Uh, Increased offerings for adults on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. This came right out of the survey where as a congregation we heard folks saying uh, community groups won't work for everybody. And we need other places to feel a sense of belonging besides Sunday morning. So those things have been put back in place and are available to people. 
Um, and, and there's also a, a list of recommendations. The team is just doing a great job. Um, well, I, I won't read them because we're, gonna, we're going to, at the end of this, uh, uh, assemble all of the recommendations of these teams and make them available to anyone who would like to see those. But the team has done some great work on kind of assimilation, not just refugee families, but anyone who might be kind of newer to the congregation. How can we help them feel connected? What might we do uh, to, to help them really feel a part of the body here? So Karen Belonging Team under Laura Danielson's leadership just doing great. Communication. What have you seen different in communication in the last six months or so? New website, a, a renewed website, right? And the app. And the app, yep. Renewed, done a lot of work on the website to streamline. Um, new app. Anything else? What else is? A new bulletin design. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. We're making it. <laughs> we need. We need to be able to pass that. <laughs> a new bulletin design, right? More, so heard that, you know, that came out in the surveys. We'd like, like some critical information in our hands on paper on Sunday mornings. So tried, tried to do that. Any other? Communication team has been for advancing its work, trying to listen to folks, uh, talking to a bunch of people about communication. There was a congregational survey, a, a second one that came out just uh, probably about a month ago that had quite a bit of questioning in there around communication, like what, what do you prefer with regard to communication? How do you feel like we're doing? Kind of the what's right, what's wrong, what's missing, what's confused around communication. Got some good feedback from that. And the team basically is coming back with some recommendations and the spirit of their recommendations are, um, it seems like we're, we're uh, dying a communication death by a thousand cuts. And if we could improve a bunch of small things, it seems like we could be in a much better place. And they've specified that and we'll, we'll share that with everybody too, but that team has done some great work on that. Um, discipleship. Might not have seen as much exactly, but a little bit. What, what have you, discipleship team, kind of thinking about how we're growing disciples who make disciples. Ring any bells, see anything different in the last six months? Yeah. yeah, your Sunday, your two Sunday school classes recently. It's okay. all about discipleship. Hey, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> I think Ted was going to say the same thing. Yeah, so we had a kind of a, a, a poorly named Sunday school class last semester, right? <laughs> Life Shapes. What does that mean? <laughs> uh, but it has to do with this kind of reproducing discipling model that we're talking about. And then this, this semester, Hearing God, uh, which, by the way, also goes into the prayer stuff because it's really the listening side of, of prayer, right? Other discipleship stuff? We, we already mentioned Wednesday evening classes, Sunday morning classes. So again, more opportunities for adults to engage if they would like to do that. <clears throat> uh, renewed emphasis on community groups again. Um, we, we, heard, we heard from the church that there is a concern in some that we tend to, sh the perception is we tend to shy away from social issues. So there's been some intentional planning around that. We, we uh, hosted the refugee experience. Uh, uh, if you remember that, that was before the first of your first couple Sundays in December. And, um, and then this, this semester, Wednesday night, Jan Fields is facilitating the political discipleship class. What does it mean to be a Christian and a citizen? And what does that look like? And how, how do you do that as a Christian? How can you think about that? Um, we actually have staff and some pastoral elders who are going to attend a leadership forum on human sexuality. Uh, just a really, really great resource from an organization called 
uh, the Center for Faith, Sexuality, and Gender. And it's, uh, the, the basic idea is how, how could a church kind of maintain a historic understanding of, uh, Christian understanding of marriage and sexuality, you know, at the same time be perceived as, and be very, very welcoming to everyone, uh, including people of the LGBT community uh, and, and, and people who have personal struggles in, in that kind of area. Um, because we, we, that's a reality. We have members of our church who have sons and daughters who are, uh, who are gay, and those sons and daughters do not feel welcome here. That's a problem. That's a really, really big problem, and we need to think about that. Um, so discipleship, I mean, there's, there's, there are very intentional steps being taken on that front as well. Uh, and, and then the organization team. This one's probably not as visible because this is the one that kind of lags behind all of the rest of the teams. I mean, the, uh, this team has done some work. You received one survey instead of three surveys because of the work of the organization team. <laughs> because three of our strat-op teams wanted to gather information from the congregation. So rather than pummeling people with surveys, the organization team coordinated the work of those teams. So that, that's been a bit of the work. And then the team is also uh, discussing future state organization for staff consistory ministry teams. What, what exactly is it that we want to do? And that, that team is largely in a holding pattern because we've, um, we've realized that as we're managing out things that might hinder or hurt and trying to manage in things that will actually drive ministry, um, we've, we've realized the, the need for a clearer statement of vision and the, the, the retreats that we went through in Stratop gave us some good traction around mission and values, um, but it, it left us with just some initial work done in the area of crafting a vision statement. So the team is feeling a need for that. We'll be investing in that on an upcoming retreat date on February 18th, which is the next time when our team will meet together. And we're hoping that once we have that vision in place, we'll kind of run that by everybody again, get input on that, build some um, consensus around that. And then the organization team will really be able to say, okay, this is what we want to do. These are some ways we might be able to organize to, to do that and to see that accomplished. Um, so that's, that, that, that's kind of the simple summary. I mean, I could say more, but um, the this is that thing I think is pretty important. Right? It's not like we've, there's some uh, side or back burner process happening that's not impacting what we're doing right now. There, there's a very real flow of change that's coming in our church because of this process. And we hope that the ongoing kind of idea of managing out things that might hinder and managing in things that will drive ministry will be the ongoing way that, that we keep improving and keep moving forward. So that's, that's about all I got for you. And do you have any, any questions or any thoughts about the process? Yeah, Adrian. I guess I'll bring up the elephant in the room. Yeah. Could we speak about what happened with uh, Clyde? Oh, oh yeah, certainly. Yeah. What? Uh, shall, I, shall I just give you a, a simple summary? of? Yeah, you bet. Um, yeah, super, super hard uh, conversations to have, right, when you're talking about staffing. And, and to, be, to be really honest, I mean, we've known as a church that we've been overstaffed for some time. And uh, when we approved this past year's budget, the ad board had a conversation about this, and I mean, the budget that we all looked at and, um, and approved had in it $35,000 less than the personnel expense to which we are currently committed. So we've known throughout the year 
that we needed to make staff changes before the end of the year uh, to reduce staff. The, the, we're, we're, so, there's, so there's two big realities, and there's several ad board people in the room too, so if you'd like to add anything to what I'm saying, I'll, I'll take an initial swing at it, but feel free, please. Um, I think there's two realities. Oh, one is that our staffing level as a percent of budget has crept up uh, pretty well above 50%. And that's always just a kind of a threshold, kind of a best practice thing. When it gets up above that, you got to go, eh, what are we doing? What are, what are we paying people to do as employees of the church versus how are we delegating ministry to, to key leaders and, and such? So that was a reality. The other reality is that we're in the midst of this capital campaign. And as much as we as a church communicate that we would hope that people wouldn't redirect giving from general fund to a, a capital fund uh, campaign. That happens, that always happens, right? And that, that happened last year and it left us short by over $100,000 for general fund. So last year in the general budget, we spent over $100,000 more than we received. Now, that does not mean that there's the big financial crisis. If you zoom out uh, and look at the whole financial picture, I think there's two realities. One is that if you add up all of the financial giving of General Fund and Project Renew, um, the, the congregation, we, we are being very generous. I mean, there's a, there's a huge thing to celebrate here, right? It, 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 giving is up financially in terms of years past when you look at the whole picture. And the second piece of the reality is that as much as we try to communicate, hey, don't redirect giving from here to there, that happens. And that happened last year to the tune of more than $100,000. I think we underspent our budgeted expenses last year. I think the shortfall was maybe closer to 120000 or something. But we can't have a year like that again, right? So we budgeted way down this year. We de decreased our budget uh, significantly, I think by about 11%, as I recall. And yeah, um, and that budget included in it a $35,000 reduction in personnel expense. So that's, that's the reality. This, this, uh, we love Clyde. <laughs> this is not at all a statement as to his conscientiousness or integrity. I think if you look up integrity in the dictionary, Clyde's picture would be there, right? We all know that. And he's a lovely person to work with. Uh, so. There's none of that. This is just a reality of as we as we did a kind of a, a study of comparable churches, other churches that have a budget of a million dollars or less, they do not have a person spending eighty percent of their time on the church finances. It's just it's just a a position we can't afford to sustain. So that's my swing at it. If an Edward person would like to speak, or if there's other questions, I'm happy to. Take a swing. Don, Ross, Andy, do you want to say anything more? Okay. I think, I think maybe one thing to say is... Don, could you take the mic here? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I think we viewed it as a stewardship thing as well because it was, uh, you know, there's, there's just really considerable savings with, uh, with uh, going with an outside uh, group doing it. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a really massive reduction. I mean, it's yeah. just a massive savings. Um, and, uh, you know, and thinking about how we use, you know, the gifts that we're, you know, charged with having some role with, um, you know, y y you could see just such very large savings happening 
Um, and you know, I, I think regardless of even the budgetary situation, it would be something we'd have to look at. You know, just because in terms of you know how are we actually stewarding the church's funds, um, I, you know, is is what has to drive it as well. Even in in a very you know, if it would be a very fat time right now, I think you'd still, you know, just to be good stewards, would have to look at, is is this the way to use it well? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Don. An- another thing, I mean, if it helps to know this, Clyde was very much involved in the conversation, right? He he presented multiple scenarios to the ad board about staff reductions, what that might look like. So when I met with him to share this news, he was like, no, I'm not... I'm, this is the right thing, it needs to happen. If you can incur that much cost savings, uh, it, it's the right thing to do. So those were the kinds of things that he shared with me. And that he was getting close to considering retirement anyway. So he was right at the cusp of it. Oh yeah, thanks. E- uh, Ted asked effective when. Um, so uh, February 15th right now, but it's very much a moving target because um, Clyde is, of course, as you would expect, very much willing to help in the transition, and um, and we just everybody wants to see that happen well. So a, a big part of this is transitioning the bookkeeping to our accountant, uh, Vanderleck Mulder, DeVries, and Elders, and uh, that involves some technical changes like moving our accounting platform to a, a cloud version of QuickBooks Pro, and and so there's there's some stuff like that that. Clyde will help in transitioning. So if, I think if we need a little more time, it might go a little longer than that. And uh, uh, Clyde said, hey, if we wrap up all that, that process early, then it might be a little earlier than that. So, but kind of shooting February 15th right now. Yeah. And like I said to Clyde, it was a gut-wrenching conversation to have as an ad board. At least it was for me. I mean, it's just, you never want to, you know, these are just hard things, right? And again, it is not at all a referendum on Clyde or his gifts or anything like that. It's just looking at a staffing reality we have to deal with. Oh. Yeah, Kathy. When the finances are outsourced, there's still a gap with all the other things that Clyde did. Of course, he's visiting people in the hospital, that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I assume, I shouldn't assume, but that should be taken up by other people in the church, right? That visitation and that we kind do. of thing? Yeah, yeah. We do, yeah, yeah. We have all of the responsibilities of his job description. Uh, I, I've been working on that and have uh, suggestions as to where all of those go. We had thought about that in advance, too. But, yeah, and that, that was one of the considerations, uh, yeah, with regard to the transition. Yeah, Don. You know, one thing about the uh, salaries and everything about the, uh, you know, with treasure, I mean, years ago, I mean, I'm sure the church is a lot different than it was when I was first in consistory some 50, 60 years ago. Oh, no, not, not, not that long. <laughs> 50, 50 years ago, for sure. But anyway, uh, yeah, 50 years ago is more accurate. But anyway, uh, but that, back then, the consistory, the deacons and the elders took, you know, took charge or like we had a church treasurer yeah. who took care of all the financing of the church we had we had elder members deacon members taking other parts of the you know as volunteers yeah. because of their other elected positions to the church yeah you know it would be a quite a cost savings if if, if if we would engage the consistory to do more of this 
And that would really cut a lot of cost in our budget. Right, right. Yeah, we do have a church treasurer. And uh, I, I think this will be part of the organization team's work. So, uh, you know, the reality is that when your staffing level gets up to that kind of point, it probably disincents uh, us as volunteers from taking significant roles. So there's, there's a real balance there. So we did just not really within the last year, I guess, crafted a new job description for church treasurer, and Jim Primus is serving in that role right now. Um, but yeah, definitely. We're, we're going to be working on that. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a day when this church also gave 50% of its budget to outside global mission. Yeah, to, to global mission outside the walls of this church. And there's, um, yeah, hey. If we all volunteer to do stuff, we could do that again. Maybe, right? That's not outside the bounds of reality. It's, it's just changing our mindset as to what we expect from our, our local congregation and what, you know. Yeah. Everybody okay? Just, it was a hard, it's just a hard decision. Hard, Yeah. I just wanted to ask uh, one more question about the Project Renew, and yeah. uh, I'm concerned because I know only 52% participated in the initial uh, giving, and I, I really feel that should have been done before we even broke ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we knew where we were at before that. Now we're, we're kind of strapped with a huge debt on that, and I just wonder what, what are the pl- going to be the plans to pay that off, and how is that? I'm sure you've talked about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we, I think we chatted a bit at a previous leadership community too. But it, it was, uh, yes. I think getting that revved up uh, earlier would have been great. And um, um, if I'm, if I'm really honest, I mean, I want to take responsibility for not making that happen. And it was excruciatingly difficult to find a team of people to help. Um, that was hard. So th- there, there's a reality of, hey, we could get people to volunteer to do stuff, yet people don't volunteer to do stuff. So, that, I mean, that, that's, a cha- that's a challenging reality. So, yes, it should have happened much earlier. I totally agree with that. Um, the, the plan to pay for this right now, we've received additional gifts beyond the current pledges. I think the, uh, do you have those in, in your head, Russ? Those numbers, I, I, we, we have now over, so it's a $1.5 million project. It was just a little bit less than that in, when the total bill came in. And I think that we're up in the, uh, about 800, maybe a little north of 800 in pledges and gifts already. Um, so we'll, we'll be looking at uh, another capital campaign, I'm sure, uh, to, to retire debt on the congregation. Um, it, the way I think about it, too, is if you think about it's not apples to apples because we're not going to amortize this thing over 30 years, right, like you do on your home or 15 years or something. Um, but if on a, on a million-dollar budget, if you have $700,000 in debt, it would be equivalent to a person making $100,000 and having to pay on a $70,000 mortgage, which is a very doable scenario, right, in, in, a, in a personal finance world. So, yeah, the number sounds big, and is big, but for a congregation of our size, it, it's really not um, 
not that oppressive feeling, you know. Like, I think we can retire this pretty quickly, honestly. Maybe another three-year capital campaign. I, just from my seat, just observing kind of what's going on here, and this is just me just winging it, I think that, I, I, looking back, I don't know if we should have communicated publicly that only 52% of the people participated. Because really, if you look at the stats on financial giving in any U.S. church, uh, in, in, in a normal situation, 30 to 40% of the people who are members of the church give nothing financially to their congregation. Which for this group in here, you probably go, what? Um, but th there's, there's, just, there's just a reality out there, right? So if, so if you take that into account, that, uh, and, and our numbers are about, are about there, I'd say about 30% give nothing. Um, and, and that this isn't a kind of, some people aren't in a place to give. I mean, some people's act of faith at this point is to ask for help, not to, to give, you know, I mean, so there's all, the, all these balances. Um, but that's, that, that's the thing. So I, I think we would just invite, you know, greater participation in the future, no matter what you could give, just being part of the project together would be a, a big value. So to answer that in a, in a short way, another capital campaign, you know, will we'll ultimately be how we retire debt on that, uh, on that project. So it'll be a six-year thing instead of a three-year thing, ultimately, I imagine. So, and that's just me thinking. So again, add more people can rifle in. And wait for the mic, Dave. Yeah, come on up. Yeah, sir. I thought I was getting waved <laughs> No, sir. The other thing, when I look at on Sunday morning, um, yeah. the way that that facility has trans, you know, Oh, yeah. Drastically uh, affected the church in a very positive standpoint. I, I can, yeah. I can concern, with my background, I'm always concerned about excessive debt, but, and I don't think it's excessive either. Right. But, but from a, the way that the communication between people, the social aspect, yeah. it's just huge, and there's nobody, there's nobody over here anymore. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, and uh, physically, all the glass. Yeah, just transformed everything. Yep. Yeah, you know, it's just amazing. So I, I'm, I, I come in church and it's like every time it's Sunday morning, it's like wow. Yeah. yeah right. So it's, yeah. it's it has a very positive impact on the church. I couldn't imagine the church without it. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I was thinking back on that too. Right when I arrived at Fifth eleven years ago, there was a plan to renovate the church, and I think it started even before Pastor Zinger had left. So it was probably like 15 years ago about at this point. And the, the initial price tag on that remodel was $3 million. And it involved bulldozing this entire center section of the church, reorienting the sanctuary, building a two-story thing in here. And right away I thought, man, that's way, way too much money. So uh, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I, I think you could look at a $1.5 million price tag and think, wow, that was really expensive. Um, I, I take a different you know, view of that and think, man, we got a lot. We got a lot for that amount of money. It, it's a chunk of change, no doubt about it, but we accomplished the, the hoped-for desires even expressed 15 years ago, which was changing the people flow in the space so you didn't have everybody uh, going through that pinch point down there in the hallway with bathrooms in the back and coat racks over there and nurseries over there and the whole bit. And, I mean, it, it has fundamentally changed the way people move in the building. It has made it much more hospitable. And we're using that space like crazy. I mean, there was just a meeting there last night, right? We got the, we got the Rock and Mineral Club meeting out there. <laughs> we got special events happening out there, rave reviews of neighbors. So, yeah, I think, th I think the whole thing was a success, even though the finances might not have been. 
up front, as up front I've as got we the have mic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Kathy. We don't argue so, with Kathy. <laughs> I was just wondering. Yeah, I just know certain mindset of people that wouldn't want to pledge, but they'll be glad to give. Yeah. And others that have come into the church since that campaign. Yeah, yeah. Is, is there an intentional way of inviting people to give to this? Because, you know, it's outside the budget. Yes. And I haven't seen that in or noticed it much, but I'm, I think that'd be a good revenue source. Yeah, we, we, have, we have talked about that. We have not acted much on that. It definitely will be part of the next new members class, like a, a pitch maybe from uh, one of us or somebody from the finance and stewardship team just explaining the project that we're in the midst of and inviting some participation. Sorry, did it turn off accidentally there? Hello. There, there we go. go. There we go. It just doesn't like talking. Oh, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Don. Hey, uh, but I, I, one of our pastors back then, uh, I think we had one of our missionaries speak. Uh, we, Carol and I were talking about this a little bit and talking about the percentages of uh, the non-church people that are in Grand Rapids and also in the, the whole, in basically in the United States. Yeah. And it was just surprising uh, the fact that I thought I heard the word 80% of this Grand Rapids area is unchurched. Is that, is that high? I mean, that's kind of what I thought I heard. It, it depends on what you mean by un, unchurched. unchurched. Yes, well, statistics. You know, not connected with the church. We, we are the 46th most unchurched city in the United States. Okay. With that, with that aspect, though, it's, now, just talking about our neighborhood here. Yeah. What, what, is there anything in consideration what can be done to reach out to these people in our neighborhood? I mean, as far as I know, we got now we got a, a very welcoming front of the church here, very open. <laughs> but you know, sometimes yeah. you know, sometimes mail it does not seem to work. Sometimes it takes a yeah. personal encounter. You know, I think part of this vision statement will 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 be that will be you know how do we get more of us engaged uh, in, in both in this neighborhood and the reality of our church is that we as a church live in multiple neighborhoods around Grand Rapids. So the, the neighborhood that our, in which our building resides is not our only neighborhood, right? But that's, uh, Michael, you live in this neighborhood. Well, as someone who lives here, um, I think our greatest asset in the neighborhood right now is Greg. Yeah, absolutely. Greg takes no a very joke. active role and is involved in the in the leadership of the neighborhood association and as just a very welcoming presence. Yep. And he's uh, taking a snowplow onto people's sidewalks and just all around very hospitable. He's created a very hospitable, warm yes culture, and and he's very approachable, which is wonderful. Um, we also do trunk or treat here. Right, and that's a huge mission and opportunity, and to get people in the space. And he's taking people around on hay rides. So <laughs> I, I, obviously, I'm a little biased, but I think that the perception is certainly very positive. Yeah. And I think even too when the neighborhood, you know, there's a potential development down Greg Street, and and meetings were held here. And so this is becoming a local kind of community spot where people feel safe and we can do things that benefit the neighborhood that way. So I see it yeah. in a very positive way. Thanks for saying that about Greg, because that, that is true. Our brother, yeah, he'll shake your hand and give you a hug and pay you later. 
No, but that is true. I mean, our, our brother is really exemplary in that. I mean, functioning as a local missionary. I mean, the outreach snow plowing effort of the sidewalks alone is, uh, is, is quite a thing. Yeah. And the, yeah, we didn't, we didn't mention the community garden and all that has happened there and our cool new community garden shed, which uh, Jack and Tucker want to turn into a drive through lemonade stand, by the way. But we'll talk with you about that later. <laughs> Thought we could increase our business, our business uh, revenue. As long as they're willing to witness while they're doing it. I think they probably would be. Your questions, thoughts? And we're kind of, I think we're chewing up your time here, Josh. I'm wondering if we... Wait till next time. Yeah. 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 So any other, I mean, obviously, this Clyde's tra- the, the trans staffing transition is a, is a big thing. Do you, have, do you have any other questions about anything with regard to the church? Since we're doing this. Uh, any, I just other? have a thought. Yeah, Eleanor. There are so many demands on the giving dollar. So yeah, yeah priority would be to your church. So I don't think it would be inappropriate to say that, to put it in the forefront that these funds are needed, because sometimes I feel, I think offering is an act of worship, and I believe in tithing and all that. But when I hear the church really doesn't need money, actually we do. So maybe if I was not inclined to tithe, Mm -hmm. and I would hear that, then I might send my money someplace else because the church doesn't need it. So maybe we have to use another phrase. I I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. The intent, we've had phrasage slip. (laughs) Phrase slippage. Yeah, but no, I hear you. Because the emphasis is on the worship Mm -hmm. act. Yeah. Yeah, and, and in addition to like how we frame the moment in the worship service, I, I'm relatively sure our finance and stewardship team would welcome any help uh, of some people who might like to think about being on a stewardship sub-team or something like that to, to think about how do we do this? How do we, how do we activate making asks for Project Renew? How do we you know, increase the stewardship culture in the congregation? Uh, would, would be great. Anything else? Any other? You know, one thing too is, oh, I'm sorry. You're good. You know, on the building campaign, I mean, other churches that we have been, my Carol and I have have been in our life, they use the thermometer, where they where they actually show how much the giving is is going up. We see the you know the you know the fully full thermometer to the yeah. where it started at the bottom. Yeah, yeah. And just as the givings come in, just watch the, watch the temperature gauge go up. And yep. sometimes that can be more encouraging to help, boy, the church really then needs more money. For a visual way to communicate. Yeah. Thanks, Doug. <laughs> we good? Okay. Let me pray for us, and then we'll, we'll save the skill training time that Josh has prepared for next time. God, thank you for our community of faith here. Um, Thank you for all the ways you've blessed us. I mean, we look at one another and we say thank you. We look at the the building, the space that we have, and we say thank you. And uh, we have have, uh, some challenges and difficult things. We do lift Clyde and Diane to you uh, in this transition and and, uh, retirement maybe coming um, 
a, f- a few months earlier than he was planning. Um, but I, I just pray that you bless and guide and direct and give a covering of grace to all of us. And give us wisdom, God, for uh, the way we move forward for this visioning process and um, really how, how to listen to the congregation. We, we want to be one moving forward together in mission. So God, would you please show us how best to do that? We long for people who don't know you to come to know you and experience the deep transformation of um, coming uh, to know you as a person and becoming aware of your love for them and all that you've done uh, for them and, and for us. So God, show us how to be missionaries right where we are, please. We want that. Give us the equipping we need, the resources that are needed. Um, we, we lift to you the, the financial gap between uh, where we are now and paying off the whole uh, kind of building project, and, and we submit that to you, Lord. And if you would have us do something different, please reveal that to us. If you might see fit to bring additional resources from somewhere else, that would be great to uh, just show us the way forward in that, God. Uh, We love you, Lord. Uh, We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good. Thanks, all. Hey, just just for your information really quick, if you would like the work that the StratApp team did on vision, I have a little thing here. So you can pick it up on the way out. This was just some of the brainstorming that the team did, kind of initial stab, uh, where we stand now, where we're headed, and how we'll get there. So it's kind of step one in vision process that we'll be advancing at that February meeting. So I'll put these over here if you'd like to grab one on the way out.